Grini Kocsélik, Erőn Gétel Csiasztó, Ano Hosszárom Vénsa, Gassé. Akkorhétó Hosszárom Gúl, Múinterkén Várácsa Lin, Agasmar. Ervának az Ietszannak Korszamban, Korszjálin Sá. I have to say I'm very delighted to be here today to open what was a very, very fine exhibition, a very important exhibition dealing with the 1950s Ireland. Uh, I want to thank the National Museum of Ireland at Collins Barracks for the invitation to launch the exhibition and the opportunity of just saying a few words. But I want in particular to pay tribute, of course, to the curator, Dr. Fidelma Milan, the exhibition curator, with whose work I'm very familiar, probably maybe some of the most important work on the Irish Tatch. And also, indeed, I want to thank Fidelma for her work in relation to promoting a respect for heritage. I, <laughs> when I was preparing these remarks, I thought to myself at the time when uh, this building, this building was once considered to be a place to park articulated trucks, and uh, then it was also at another time it was going to be a form of student accommodation for uh, Trinity College. I'm delighted that it has been used. I would like to see, in fact, many, many more people coming and utilising the building, and indeed it would be very good to see the completion of that project we had in the 1990s of using the full uh, means of the building. I was very interested in the 1950s because, may I say, and not choosing to be controversial but accurate, I hope, is that the 1950s is something, is a period of time which has not been accurately treated in Irish uh, historiography at all. Uh, it is a period that is very, very interesting. The, what we will be seeing here uh, uh, now, these three powerful, um, these, these wonderful uh, images that we will see. I deleted all the section, which is, I think, for example, Cartier Bresson's work is very, very important uh, in its own right in relation to the history of photography, and leaving that aside, and particularly from the evolution of photography from uh, the, towards the second half of the 19th century and the different changes in the technology that enabled images to be caught and retained. I think as well we should also think about how important in relation to women and science uh, the contribution of Mary Stokes and her day in relation to photography. But that's all for another day. Use of images to convey human sensibility is a powerful form of communication. And it expresses a relationship in a manner that transcends words. Uh, I had the great privilege of meeting uh, John Berger uh, uh, in Nicaragua, but also very much discussing with him in some detail his powerful book, A Seventh Man, who chose images, for example, of Turkish work migrant workers building the Berlemong in Brussels and of their families back in Turkey, looking at images in turn from Brussels and so forth. And images are very, very powerful. But this evening we're celebrating, we're extraordinarily lucky to be celebrating three great exponents of this, of this art form. Henri Cartier-Bresson was without doubt one of the world's greatest photographers, a humanist photographer, considered a, a master of, of photography, an early user of 35mm film, 
he pioneered the, the genre of street photography and viewed photography as an essential means of capturing a moment that shouldn't be let go, a decisive moment. And he travelled to Ireland on two occasions, while on assignment with Harper's Bazaar in 1952 and 1962, shooting candidly in counties Cork, Dublin, Galway, Kerry, Kildare, Kilkenny, Tipperary, Westmeath and Wexford. I've just been looking at the images inside. We're very fortunate to have these images on loan from the Foundation. Uh, and uh, I think it, 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 we really want to thank Fidelma and all of those involved in the museum for uh, uh, facilitating that. One of the things that will strike you, what you must do, is that if you take this period of time uh, in the 1950s, you can contrast, for example, the image of the man at the races in Thurlis with the image of a man who has just finished showing his son how to wreak turf. Uh, I think the images in his images include landscapes, street scenes, portraits and public events. And they're regarded not only as exceptional works of art, but as keenly observed visual documentaries of a photojournalist. I think from a point of view of sociology and social anthropology, again, uh, I might say that anthropology is the neglected subject in Ireland. Uh, uh, social anthropology, we desperately need it. It's been neglected because uh, interest in it wasn't really give, give, given sufficient space. But just, I do want to set, give a setting in a way, uh, which will help, I think. Uh, in 1934, uh, two anthropologists, Conrad Arnsberg and Saul Campbell from Harvard, came and studied two uh, districts in North Clare, given the fictional names of Luke and Rhinomona. This appeared, the work, the Irish Countryman, was probably ready about 1940. And when it appeared, this was the, uh, it would appear then later, additional six chapters from life in Innes County Clare would become family and community in Ireland, becoming widely available in 1968, in the 1960s. No Irish scholar going abroad could, in fact, be there hardly a day before somebody would say to you, you must tell us about the Irish countryman and so on. And these two studies, this study of Arnsberg and Campbell, became in fact uh, the definitive departure point. And the three users of images that we will see in, when you go and look at the exhibition, they were influenced by this work in many cases. So you're first now with a kind of a moral decision if you're a scholar. Do you in fact actually are you satisfied with presenting this as quaint and lovely and simple and so forth? Or are you going to deal with it in terms of its hardship? Because it is describing something very important. It's describing the movement from the spade to the harnessed animal and from the harnessed animal to the mowing machine and so forth. All of that is there. And in the same period as all these images are emerging, 250,000 people leave Ireland. 55,000 every year, males and females, this time mostly going to uh, England. My sister at this stage was one of those. She was working in Ireland for 30 shillings a month with one and sixpence deducted for your uniform. I think that in many cases it's important, when I say the historiography has neglected this, we desperately need a social anthropological contribution to repair the omissions in relation to the history of the 1950s. And I think that these images are showing something extraordinary when you see all three collections together. And there he is, the power, how the huge price paid for the decision 
to eliminate class in Irish social studies and Irish history. We were reared on the myth that we were all the same and that we were all pulled together, we all immigrated together, we all owned the same things and so forth. And you can work it out yourselves and you can link it to the stories of your own families. As I say, 250,000 left in five years alone between 1955 and 1960. So these photographs capture an island that as land owned and consolidated could only support one landholder and facilitate one dowry. The Ansberg and Kimball version was like that. This was all very, uh, this was all very neat. But of course, there was in fact a huge difference between small farmers and large farmers. But two decades after, 20 years after Saul Kimball and uh, Conrad Arnsberg arrive, I think, as I've said, the year for really the Irish countryman is 1934, and the uh, later book. So then in the 50s, this, this comes. We are very, very fortunate, and I am so pleased, uh, former colleagues of mine, Dr Anne Byrne, Dr Tony Varley, Chris Curtin, Fidelma and everyone, have in fact been attacking this uh, um, literature in terms of trying to contextualise it and, give it and give it give it a basis. So this evening then, in that period, I've just given you background as it were, we get the beautiful images of the Cartier-Bresson. Of, of and I want to thank the Cartier, through the French ambassador, to thank the Cartier-Bresson Foundation for their, for their cooperation, kindly providing accompanying materials as well. And I know that Fidelma's work includes studies of his missions in Ireland, including notes and correspondence, the original contact points, prints and artefacts. And that's based on archive research in Paris, as well as interviews with people that he met and photographed in Ireland. So it gives us a whole new insight into the photographic legacy of Carter Bregson, as well as highlighting his influence in Irish photography. So that part of the exhibition gives us an insight into him as a superb artist, into ourselves in relation to a period of time, and also, and then because of the work with Bill Doyle, of the influence on, on, on photography as an art form. Cartier Bresson's photographs, as I said, are displayed next to images by Irish photographer Bill Doyle, Bill Doyle with, on, with, on whom he had a great influence. I think that they're part of what is an ever-growing social history of this country. By the way, I might say last night I attended uh, the, the theatrical production down in Bangar of The Valley of the Squinting Windows by Brinsley McNamara, and I think it was absolutely, I think it's absolutely brilliant. But it is part of the sophistication of ourselves to be able to come to terms with all this, particularly as if we want to depart into a deeper scholarship. Because I think how, the, how all these events are contextualised uh, is very, very important. What is, I think, in common in the art form is what's conveyed in the faces, in the marks and patterns of spaces, implements and image, both transient and lasting. For example, and there's some people here from, 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 from Gauti Galway, they will know uh, keeping the sheep's head between your legs while you're actually doing the act of shearing is in fact might sound a very romantic image now in many, many cases, but in fact it was very, very hard work. As was also in fact in relation to all of the work is the people, for example, wrapping sacks around their knees as they built, as they knelt in the wet drills. So what is this then? In the Republic, in ourselves, in our own story, it is so important that we, in fact, actually respect the importance of work 
the hard work that was put in. Men and women, children and others, and so forth. So therefore we were not available, really, uh, to be something to be ransacked as a kind of a set of romantic images and so on. What I think is interesting as well is in relation to something that is important is in relation to that, in, in relation to that period. When, uh, when, when Osmond and Kimball came in, in 19, uh, in, 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 in later, this period of the 1950s, Ireland wasn't exactly at peace because we'd had, if you like, the Mother and Child Scheme in 1951, uh, and we'd had a big debate between, uh, between church and state. People were expecting it in relation to education, but it came in relation to health. Sticking to my text, well, much well, I must do much more. The, <laughs> it, it is to Carter, it is to Carter Bresson, really the images that we've been, that you are privileged to see, and I hope that so many come and, and, and study it. He is somebody who took look. Think of the events that he that he that he that he engaged with: the Spanish Civil War, 1936; the liberation of Paris in 1944; the Student Rebellion in Paris in 68; the fall of the Kuomintang China; the assassination of Mahatma Gandhi, photographing Mahatma Gandhi just a few days before he was before he was assassinated; the fall of the Berlin Wall, and then of course dark portraits of Camus, Picasso. Colette, Métisse, Pond, and Yacomessi. I think, but most of, so therefore, the images that you will see here join with those images and show the importance of having exhibitions like this and the use in a public space. I think there's a, a common thread in all of that great art. I think Cartier-Bresson himself said, in photography, the smallest thing can be a great subject. The little human detail can become a leitmotif. And then we're fortunate to have the opportunity, as part of this exhibition, to view and experience the work of the renowned American documentary photographer Dorothea Lange and American anthropologist Robert Crespo. I think Dorothea Lange's top right-hand corner of, of the image, when her images of the, of the Irish country, I think it is, isn't it? County Clare. I know, but it's our title that she has on the front page. The stand-in for Marilyn Monroe is on the front cover of Life magazine, and therefore you have the reference that there are going to be images of County Clare uh, <laughs> in a side. Well, I, I think that the fact that we have Creswell's, uh, Rob Creswell's uh, uh, collection, I think we made a gift to, the, to, to, to Ireland in, in 2010, and I guess it's core This is now donated to the to the I think the the the, the, the group in 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 Canberra, the Canberra Research Group own the rights to this, which is a gift to the to the Irish people. Dorothea Lange was renowned for her photographs, of course, of the Depression era, photographs of her Native America, photographs, again, which spoke of a deep social consciousness, not only giving face to the poor and the displaced, but depicting the humanity which moves us as fellow humans. Dorothea came to Ireland in 1954, as I have said, on an assignment for Life magazine. Now, it's not Marilyn Monroe that's on the cover of the magazine. It's, in fact, the stand-in for Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> When our point was, she took 2,400 photographs here, and we can be grateful for those images. They were lost for many years, and they were discovered 25 years ago by Dublin or Jerry Mullins. Again, 
how we must be so grateful to him, allowing new generations to experience the people of landscape of County Clare in the mid-20th century. As a young anthropology student, Robert Cresswell spent a year in Galway between 1955 and 1956, compiling a photographic documentary of life, of course, in Kenwara, in the seaport village of Kenwara. This photographic record was published under the title Un Communauté Rural des Land, and is now regarded as a seminal anthropological study of rural life. As I've said, in April 2010, he donated his archive of some 450 photographs of Canvara to the nation for which we're most grateful. The work on display here by Dorothy Langroa Christmas may be seen by some as poignant and beautiful, but it is realistic, recalling to us an island that we have, as I have said, not for many reasons, and for, for some are ideological reasons, we have not given sufficient attention in Irish social studies but yet it has profoundly shaped the society we inhabit today. There are a whole series of stories built into all of these, some of these images. For example, what happens when a settlement with the death of a day. I think, I, looking back, as I think is my former uh, uh, student, Dr. Anne Byrne, uh, where her work on, on the, the actual written notes of Arnsberg and Kimball about what happened when, in fact, actually a cow died. And of the distinction in North Clare at this particular time, when people who had a sidecar and a trap for going to Mass, and were now going to Mass on the, on the African car. And everywhere you see the position of the importance of the donkey and so on. So we have, in fact, it is a quite extraordinary, the ideological force of insisting that there was never any class in Ireland, and in fact that you couldn't, shouldn't analyse the difference between size of farm, or for example the kind of person uh, who, uh, one, when, one, one piece of anthropology for example, describes a person where only one cow calved out of four and so forth. This is life in Ireland, and therefore that's why we must use public places like this and exhibitions to recover and give us a genuine history, a genuine historiography. I think as well, we're allowed to look back now, uh, and uh, not as outsiders, but I think as people who've had the benefit of being uh, trained in critical scholarship, I've given a list of those people already, those people who are already doing this work, people like, uh, people, uh, people like Fidelma and Dan and, uh, and, and Eamon and all of those others who are doing this work. But we're reminded this evening of the power of photography, its capacity not simply to capture unique moments in time, but as an art form, enabling to connect us to the past, remind us of what we have yet to do. And these photographs that were given are an invaluable gift to society, giving us a bridge in time, linking us to the stories of others, to landscapes neglected and people forgotten. And I think that is maybe as a final point to make, the great importance and power of arts and culture within society. It may seem like a statement of the obvious to say that the arts have a rich capacity to connect people across boundaries and barriers, to create strong and durable connections and enrich the lives of our societies. Time and again, Maruk Tronaherin, I've witnessed the great resource that our, I spoke, I was in Malangar last night, the great resource that our artists and art organisations constitute. It is an Irishness at its best, and we must celebrate in the public space the unique cultural and artistic traditions, not only those with which we've been gifted, but those that are being provided now 
by an imaginative, creative and very often, unfortunately, struggling arts and culture community. It is of critical importance, not only to the present generation but to future generations, that we safeguard public spaces and the opportunities for collective celebration, such as exhibitions like this one today, where diverse members of the community, citizens of all ages and backgrounds and creeds, and varying levels of vulnerability gather together to participate in art as either creators of art or as an audience, supporting their local theatre, experiencing music and dance performances in squares and parks that are so much part of their everyday lives, being free to visit a museum or a library that is a celebration of the public world, a world that is shared and that is so different from the world of any exclusive privatised experience. And how wonderful it would be to hear them celebrated and mentioned as often as we hear of Ireland Inc. or of Ireland as a wonderful place to come and do business and so forth. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have ourselves described far more often as a place that it was a great place to come and experience the people who are interested not only in their own culture but in all cultures and anxious to share it. Martana Helena Krohyak, Art is creative and emancipatory, and it must be seen as a necessary part of the infrastructure of our society, along with all the other essential things that we need. So I take this occasion to say again to all involved in the arts, all of you with your different connections, thank you for your contribution to citizenship. For it is a citizenship and a contribution in the best sense. And what you do is very important for renewal and sustenance of life, for the health of our society, and the best possible guarantee for the imaginative possibilities of the citizens of the future. And recognising the importance of the arts, celebrating this gift we have here this evening from these three great artists is something that is critical when, as I have said on occasion, the arts are viewed as something apart, peripheral, something that belongs on the fringes of society, a luxury for those who can afford it. That is a view I tried more than 30 years ago to put an end to when we made a decision to take this building and try and use it for a public purpose. This is a view that must be constantly contested if we are to ensure the survival of the arts and of cultural identity and the role of cultural access in the creation of true citizenship. I do think that we need to be able to experience the joy and emancipation of culture in public squares and buildings and the public world, and bringing the arts right into the heart of society. Doing these things together, debating, for example, recreating periods, imagining new periods. So we must support and cherish our national museums and galleries, our libraries and our local theatres. And we must reimagine and re-energise public spaces turning them into venues where the arts can be enjoyed and appreciated by all. And it's not a simple, ordinary management. It is about retaining the vitality in the delivery of the arts and culture that is important. I think that we deprive ourselves, if we don't do this, of the great power of the arts to bring us together and stimulate debate and argument and kindle the wealth of creativity that translate into such wonderful experiences. Marfakal Square Guim Gokra, Araspontis Andrecatia Brezon, Dorothea Lang and Robert Cresswell, Tasharoche, Kubilshevik Sulsan Museum, Lekhead Mila Din, that you are Tasulam, Gosorian Shipshen, 
I, I so want to conclude by congratulating everybody involved and wishing this exhibition of some of the work of Henri Cartier-Bresson, Dorothea Long, Robert Criswell, the very best of success. I read in the literature that was sent to me that we expected that it will be visited by 100,000 visitors. May that be surpassed. And I want to thank everyone who is associated with this, and very, very, very particular, the curator, my dear friend, Fidel Milan. Mille Puikas, merci. Thank you.